He said, you know what? If you're led by me, you'll be my son. The son said, I'm going to provide for you. I, I appreciate Jesus providing for me. I, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm Sometimes my wife and my children ask me for stuff, and I'll be like, oh, God, hey, what are we going to do, God? You're the provider. You're the provider. You're the provider. And he does it, too. Let me tell you something. If God wants you to have something, he will provide as long as you acknowledge him in all your ways, and he will direct your path. He's going to direct it, and he's going to provide for you. You're now in tune to the Heaven Bound broadcast with Pastor Richard D. Dobbs of Overcomers Christian Center in Villarica, Georgia. Now prepare to be empowered and equipped with the rich word of God. If you notice with me in the book of Acts chapter 19, reading verse 2 out of the New King James Version Bible, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe? So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Based on that, I want to talk to you for a few minutes on this topic. Faith walkers understand the necessity of the Holy Spirit. Faith walkers understand the necessity of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for your presence in the sanctuary. We do not take it for granted. We pray that the word of God will minister life to your people. For you came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. We continue to bind the enemy away from our service. We cast him out. We thank you for your anointing that is empowering and equipping us to be all that God has called for us to be. We love you and give you glory. and Thank you for sharing your letter to us this morning and we're going to take heed to it and apply it in our everyday life in jesus name we pray let those that agree say amen understanding is the ability to comprehend and mentally grasp a particular thing it, it is a difference of thinking i heard something or knowing i heard something when i know i heard something it's I heard it to the point that I can repeat it, explain it, and carry it out easily. And sometimes you got to hear it again and again and again and again until you can take carry out what you have heard. See, as believers, especially faith walkers, when it comes to understanding spiritual as well as natural matters, we must be intentional to ensure that we get understanding. Let's go to the book of Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 7, and let's see what the Spirit of God is saying in that particular verse. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 7. The Bible reads as follows. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and in all you're getting, get understanding. Again, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. Get wisdom. It's going to be beneficial to you. Get it. And in all your getting, in all your possessions, in all your acquiring, get understanding. Get meaning. Get discernment as well as insight into what the Holy Spirit reveals to you. One thing when I was looking at that text, if the Holy Spirit don't reveal it to you, don't worry about it. 
it's be okay. But what he does reveal to you, you need to learn from it, grow from it, like we talked about earlier. You hear it, you re- uh, explain it, you carry it out without difficulty. Why? Because you're getting wisdom, because it is the principal thing. See, understanding is synonymous with having awareness as well as intelligence and perception and the ability to process information. See, good understanding will help us to grow, mature, and become more effective and efficient in spiritual as well as natural matters. And see, as a believers, as a believer, I must get good understanding about what I believe. I want us to make sure that we understand more about Jesus than when we first came through the door. Because when we come into the house of God, we should look for God to give us insight, give us uh, awareness, give us intelligence when it comes to his way of doing things. Intelligence in his word, perception of his word. We want a better understanding of that. And not only that, I believe it will help us to be a better husband, a better wife, a better leader, a better employee, a better supervisor, a better business owner, a better pastor, and whatever role you in, as we get more of godly wisdom, it's going to help us in every area of our lives. It's going to help us with every role, every role that are every responsibility that we have. And I'm sure many of you can testify to the fact that when as you grew and mature in God, it causes you to be a better individual overall. You could take, you, you, I mean, you, you don't shun responsibility. You say, okay, God, this is what you want me to do. I'm going to do it. And God has given us insight how to have proper responsibility when it comes to our life choices. Even take responsibility for your choices. That is powerful to me. When we take responsibility for our own choices, when you do that, you're quick to repent. I messed up, God. I did this wrong. It helped me to do better. And I appreciate Jesus for doing that for us. As human, so when God comes into the house on a Sunday in a midweek, my mind said, I'm going to seek understanding. I'm going after clarity. I want insight into God's word because it's going to help me in my everyday day life, which brings me to an important topic in today's uh, text. Faith walkers understand the necessity of the Holy Spirit, that word necessity. Necessity can be defined as that which is required or is indispensable. See, as humans, we're made up of three parts, spirit, soul, and body. We, have, we, we are spirits, we have a soul, and we live in a body. And we see your body, but the other part of you is your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions. I can't see that. I may see you respond out of that, but I can't see that. And then there's your spirit, man, which is the part of you. And each one of these parts have different necessities depending on what it is. See, in the natural world, many of us would agree that food, clothing, water, oxygen, and so forth are necessities of life. Can't live without oxygen. Need food. And thank God for good food. I appreciate that. When it comes to our soul and spiritual man, I believe that we have 
have necessities that will allow us to have peace, prosperity, and remain connected to our Heavenly Father or separated from him. See, when I believe that when we have necessities that allow us or grant us, grant us or permit us to have peace, prosperity, and guidance, we will remain connected. We're, we will be joined and stay joined to Jesus. We'll stay, we'll stay connected to him because we realize he is the source of our prosperity. He's the source of our guidance. He is the source of our peace. He's the source of our joy. And I, won't, I never want to be disconnected from my source because I realize that the source is unlimited. It's unlimited. I mean, God never runs out of peace. He never runs out of joy. He never runs out of what the things that I need. You know, he wouldn't tell us, I will supply every one of your need according to my riches and glory by Christ Jesus if he's going to run out. Oh, I got you, Dobbs, and I just ran out. I've been in places where they ran out before. And I've been, I was disappointed, mad, angry. I think I told somebody, I ain't going back to this store no more. <laughs> Because why? They ran out. I'll give you one quick example. I remember one day, uh, KFC ran out of chicken one day. I said, what? Didn't make a lick of sense to me. So I ain't going back to the store no more. I was angry because I wanted some. I wanted some bad. You know, you want something bad and you're disappointed because you don't get it. And you say, oh, my. You make faces. You start looking at folks funny and stuff like that. But Hallelujah. But you know what? When it comes to God, he never runs out. He never runs out. You can ask God for peace from now until eternity, and he'll never run out. You can ask God for joy from now until when Jesus comes back. He'll never run out. And not only will he not run out for you, but he'll not run out for your neighbor. He'll not run out for the people around you. He will never run out because he's unlimited. He's unlimited. So, I believe that the gift of salvation and receiving of the Holy Spirit are absolutely required if we're going to be restored back to Jesus and his purpose for our lives. See, salvation is our deliverance, our protection, and our prosperity. And receiving or taking possession of the Holy Spirit is absolutely necessary in my mind when it comes to being restored back to Jesus and his purpose for our lives. See, God's plan of redemption allows us to be in right standing with him. See, repentance and redemption go hand in hand. Repentance says, I realize that my direction is not your direction, God, so I repent and I go in your direction. I publicly acknowledge Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. I ask him to forgive me or release him from all my shortcomings. Every time I strayed or uh, got away from the written and revealed word of God, I ask God to restore me back to him and allow his spirit to dwell in me. And see, the spirit of God gives us strength. It gives us might. It gives us ability and guidance and influence that helps us to govern or take control or be in command of our thinking, our talking, and our actions. The Holy Spirit will help you with your thinking, your talking, and your actions. And when he does, it's going to cause maturity to take place. 
you're going to grow up in God and allow his word to mature in, in us and, and align and adjust to God's written and revealed word because it makes it more possible when we yield to the Holy Spirit. And the more I yield, the more I can get in line with God's will. The more I, I adjust, the more I can get in line with God's will. I love what Jesus said, not my will, but your will be done. And you ain't, and this, I wasn't going to the cross, but I, I've lived long enough to pray that prayer. Because God would tell you, I'm going to do this right here, and he won't change his mind. He won't budge. If you're like, God, I want to do this, he said, well, you can do all you want to, but I'm doing this right here. And I said, well, God, I need for you to change your mind and do it the way I want it done. And, and you know God ain't going to change his mind. Because the safest place to be and the best place to be is in the will of God. It's the best place to be. And even if you don't always agree with the will, it's the best place to be because God will take care of you in his will. Let me say this to you. You ain't even got to be perfect when you're in his will. But one thing about it, you submit and God will take care of the rest. And you'll find out where he says that all things are working together for the good because you love God and called according to his purpose. You realize that's a true statement. You realize that God loves you enough, amen, to, to help you to understand, oh, God, I need to be in your will. I need to mature. I need to grow up in the ways of God. And as you mature in the word of God, you put away childlike actions, childlike thinking, and childlike decision-making. See, 1 Corinthians 13, 11. Let's go there. 1 Corinthians 13, 11. See, maturity comes when we put away childlike actions, childlike thinking, and childlike decision-making. And that's so important for us as believers to put it away. Because what I'm going to show you here in just a moment, a moment is that God will not put it away for you. He he'll help you, but it's up to you to put it away. Notice what it says in 1 Corinthians 13 11. When I was a child. I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Notice Paul would say, uh, the devil put it away, Jesus put it away. He says, I put it away. So when I was a child, I spoke as a child. My words were childish. I expressed my mind in childish ways. I thought in a childish manner. But notice what Paul said. I understood as a child as well. My feelings were childish. You, you, you can be a grown person with two or three children and still have childish behavior. You can be a person that has retired, but you still can have childish behaviors. You can be a person that is 20 years old, but you can still have childish behaviors and he says my feelings my opinions and my judgment were childish no not only to say this he says i thought as a child i considered matters child in a childish way i made decisions in a childish manner sometimes i think about when people make childish decisions that can be detrimental to a family's income when they make childish decisions it can be detrimental because why? They don't take on the responsibility of making sure the necessities are taken care of. And then they'll spend it on things that are not a necessity and there's problem in the long run. 
And I've been honest with you. I've been guilty of it. I can't get mad at y'all. Well, you know, you never should do stuff like that. I remember God's grace on my life because I spent stuff in a childish way. You know what I didn't do? I was spending, I, I, I would get my check on Thursday, but I had already spent on Tuesday, and I had a plan because I was going to make sure that thing caught. I'm sorry, y'all know what I'm talking about there. Well, y'all, y'all pray for the rest of us, okay? That's, I had to learn my lesson that I had to learn how to do things godly in a godly manner because you can get caught up in trying to spend, oh, oh. I, I told y'all a story when I bought the Christmas, one Christmas. It took me three Christmas to pay it back. We don't need to do stuff like that. We got to spend God's money wisely. And what he allows us to be steward over, we spend it wisely. We don't need to spend four or five Christmases paying for a Christmas happen, happen in night 2022. Here it is, 2026, and we're still paying on 2022 Christmas. We don't need to be doing stuff like that. We need to grow up from that mindset. We need to grow up from that mindset and understand that God gives you insight. Notice insight. He gives you guidance and he gives you influence on how to spend it properly. And one thing he's going to tell you to do is repent. You know you shouldn't have did that. You're right, Lord. And God will have mercy on you. I've seen God help me many more times. Because can I, can, let me be real with you one second here. I have misbudgeted money. I have misbudgeted. Not, not none of y'all. None of y'all. I know y'all get it right every, every week, but I have misbudgeted money. But God gave me grace in order to get things right. And I said, God, I'm going to try to do better. And sure enough, God has helped us along the way. Now, childlike behavior can be evident in our lives, in our thinking, feelings, opinions, judgment of others, and even our decision-making. Yet at some point, we must make a decision, just as Paul did, to be a man or woman to put away or let go of childish or immature things. One thing I had to ask myself, and I want to bring it before you too, God, what is in my life that's childish? What is in my life that's childish? And as you ask the Holy Spirit that, he ain't got no problem showing it to you neither. You might not even like the answer you give you. Because sometimes we'll try to blame everybody else's being childish when God was saying, hold on now, your faith is childish. You are there blaming them for stuff that you are doing. It's their fault. No, no, no. We take responsibility for our own actions. Amen? It takes a power greater than us to empower and equip us to let go of childish and immature things. If we're going to be an effective witness for Christ, we must grow in him and operate as sons and daughters of God. Go to, if you don't mind, go to Romans chapter 8 and verse 14. The book of Romans chapter 8 and verse 14. And the Bible reads as follows. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. So for as many as are led, you are guided, you are directed, and you're influenced by the Spirit of God. These are sons, sons of those who are born again, those, you know, those that are a pupil or follower of God. And my favorite definition is someone is taking responsibility to to provide for me. Taking responsibility to provide for me. I don't think y'all got that. That's a happy part to get right there. Because 
if he takes responsibility for me, I don't have to worry about me taking responsibility for me. Because he said, I will supply the need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He will supply the need. I thank God. He, he is our Father, which art in heaven. How will be thy name, thy kingdom come? He is the one who provides for me. Thank you for providing, God. See, you can be head of household, but you still need a provider. Mm, that's good, God. You can be the one that's over your household, but you still need a provider. And he says, if you allow, if you led by the Spirit, I'll be your provider. I provide food for your pantry. I provide peace in your home. I provide healing in your body. I will provide whatever you need. And he says, because why? You are son of God or a child of the most high. And because you, you say I'm led by the spirit of God, he has an obligation to provide for you. Can you imagine if you had to take care of all this stuff on your own? That'd be too much for anybody. But God loves us enough. He said, you know what? If you're led by me, I, you'll be my son. And son says, I'm going to provide for you. And I, I appreciate Jesus providing for me. I, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm, sometimes my wife and my children ask me for stuff, and I'll be like, oh, God, here, what are we going to do, God? You're the provider. You're the provider. You're the provider. And he does it, too. I'm telling you something. If God wants you to have something, he will provide as long as you acknowledge him in all your ways, and he will direct your path. He's going to direct it, and he's going to provide for you. Thank you, God, for doing what you're doing, Father. See, maturity allows the Holy Spirit to move, up, move us and not our feelings and emotions move us. See, as we put away the childish things, we're no longer going to allow our emotions and our feelings to tell us what to do. And see, maturity in God gives us insight that God is the greatest God, and he provides the best directions for my marriage, my job as a parent, as a sister, as a brother in Christ, and so forth. I love the fact that God teaches me how to minister to my children. Teaches me how to minister to my children. I appreciate the fact that he knows our children better than we do. That's why he says, train a child the way he should go, and when they're old, they will not depart. This is the thing. You got to train and let God do the guiding. Do the guiding. Because sometimes we can get in the way. I've been guilty. Let me go ahead. Let me put my, put my hand up here. I have been guilty of getting in my child's way. Or more, more part this, getting in God's way to minister to my child. Because, you know, two things, one thing ain't going to happen. You're not going to do it, and then God do it at the same time. You are ready to let God do it, and you step back, or vice versa. So I want God to do it. How many want God to do it? That's it. I want God to do it. I want God to do it. As I become more, no, excuse me, Jesus is my, the greatest God. He is spot on in his directions. And as I become more experienced and act on his word, I am better able to recognize, to identify, and to acknowledge and respond to his spirit. I want to be able to answer and act whatever he tells me to do. I want to be moved by. I want to go by. I want to, if he tell me to pray, hey, I need to pray. If I need to pull over the side of the road, I need to pray. If I need to give or help somebody, I need to do that. If he wants me to witness, I need to be able to witness. Why? Because I'm free. They sung it earlier. I'm free. 
But you're not free to do what you want to do. Y'all know that, right? We are free to do what God instructed us. Now, as I become more experienced and act on this word, I'm better able to recognize and respond to his spirit. And that therefore, as I hear his word on a Sunday morning, I can respond to it better. I can respond to it better. And as I mature and grow up in the things of God, I can respond to it better. And this is a maturity process. It takes time to get this level. I'm not going to say everybody's going to be there overnight. But someone's been here for a long time. And we got to do better in responding to his word. Responding to his written and revealed word. Now, I need to be clear. Just because I believe in God or come to church that believes in being filled with God's spirit, it does not mean I've tapped into his unlimited resource such as the Holy Spirit. We see this in today's text. When we go back to Acts 19, we're going to start at verse 1. Acts 19, we're going to start at verse 1. We're going to read down to verse 6. Before I read that, let me say this. I believe in God, but still, you can believe in God and still not have the understanding that I need the Holy Spirit living and dwelling in me. Okay? You can be a person that comes to church week by week, Sunday by Sunday, midweek by midweek, but yet you could still be in a position where you don't understand the necessity of the Holy Spirit. All right? Let's go to Acts 19, verse 1 through 6. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus, and finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, into what then were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with, the, with, a, with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who will come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. Verse 5, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Let's go back to verse 1, Acts 19, verse 1. Powerful text right here that says a lot to us. And I pray that I can give you what the Holy Spirit has been giving me. First of all, Paul is an apostle of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is known for writing a good part of the New Testament. In fact, two-thirds, approximately two-thirds of the New Testament was written by Paul. They call it the Pauline Epistles. Paul was on a journey to Ephesus. In fact, when we read the book of Ephesians, many scholars, and I, I, I agree with them, believe that this is the same group that he wrote the church, which can be wrote the letter to the church at Ephesus in the book of Ephesians. So Paul was traveling, he noticed here in verse 1, and it happened while Apollos was, was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them. Now, I got one a little bit further there, but I want to show you something in this first part of this. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. So he came to Ephesus. 
Now, let me show you being, how you're being led by the Holy Spirit. He found some disciples. I thought about this for a moment. Ephesus, it could, it's not a, really, a, according to historians and what I've read, not a big city, but it's big enough. How do you find somebody who's a disciple in any city? It'd be like coming to this room right here. Okay, I need to know who the disciples are in this room. So the Holy Spirit, I believe in my mind, led Paul to these disciples. But when he led them to these disciples, he had a plan in mind. God did. God had a plan in mind. And many times, you don't really know why you're being led to certain people at certain times. But the Holy Spirit knows why. Because he knows he has put a word in you to share with somebody else. And this is what happened in Paul's case. Paul had a word to share with these individuals. And the Bible says when he found them, they were, or, or were disciples. A disciple is a pupil or a learner of Jesus or follower of Jesus. As we're out and about doing God's work, it's good to be able to recognize and acknowledge other disciples regardless of their race, social status, or influence. It's good to be able to do that. It's good to be able to go to maybe somewhere and you say, okay, and the Holy Spirit kind of leads you and you find out that these are followers of Jesus. That's a good thing to me. But let's look at disciples for a moment. What is a disciple? Because the Bible is clear that they are finding some disciples. Let's go to John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. Let's see what a disciple is. We'll, we'll be quick with this. John chapter 8, verse 31 and verse 32. The Bible says this, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you should know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So I want you to notice Jesus' definition of a disciple. Notice the Lord's definition of a disciple. Because if anybody knows who a disciple is, Jesus does, right? What's a disciple? A believer in Jesus. A believer in Jesus. Two, they abide in his word. They abide in his word. Three, they become acquainted with godly truth. They become acquainted with godly truth. Four, they're being developed in truth they are learning. They're being developed into truth that they are learning. And five, they are free to obey Jesus. Let me give these to you again. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believe, so they believe, they had confidence and trust in Jesus, all right? If you abide, if you remain, you don't depart in my word. So they abide in his word. Third trait I'm looking at is, and you shall know the, and you shall know the truth. You'll become acquainted with godly truth. You'll become acquainted with godly truth. And then the other part says this, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you, develop you, create you. It's going to you're being developed into truth that you're learning. If I'm going to be a godly husband, I need godly truth. If I'm going to be a godly wife, I need godly truth. If I'm going to be a godly single person, I'm going to need godly truth. I need to develop into the truth of the word of God. 
Because I don't need my opinion about what I should be. I need God's word about what I should be. My character should line up with scripture. Are y'all seeing this? And I, this is what I'm looking at when I said, when I see the disciples. Well, I said, well, Jesus, what is a disciple? The best place to go to find out who a disciple is, is the Lord himself. And he knows what a disciple is. And my fifth trait is this. You're free to obey Jesus. Free means you're, you're liberated from the dominion of sin. You're free to obey Jesus. So we see these disciples, if they're disciples, according to the scripture, they believed in Jesus. They abided in his word. They were studying scripture. They were become acquainted with godly truth. And they were being developed into the truth that they were learning, and they were free to obey Jesus. You see why Paul was led to these folks? You see why Paul, he thought it might have been an accident, but he was, they were doing what disciples were doing. And so Paul, let's go back over to Acts 19 and verse 2. I'm going to read one first. I'm going to read 19 and 1. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. So I don't think it was an accident that Paul came to this particular town. I believe God directed his steps. See, uh, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And so in verse 2, he says this. He said to them, to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe? So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. We have not heard. Look what Paul said. Did you receive? Did you lay hold of? Did you obtain the Holy Spirit when you believe? One thing you see about Paul here, he's not even questioning their belief. He's saying, I know you believe. You're a disciple. But notice what he says here. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believe? So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Before I go into explanation of this text, I had to ask myself, I had to do a little soul searching for a moment. I had to ask myself, have I expressed the importance of the Holy Spirit to this congregation? Have I expressed to you how important the Holy Spirit is in your everyday life? Have I showed you in scripture how the Holy Spirit will help you every day of your life? I had to ask myself that because these disciples had not even heard about the Holy Spirit. And they were followers, pupils, and learners of Jesus. I don't want to be uh, one day God come to me and says, or excuse me, in, in, in glory day and says, why you never taught them about the Holy Spirit? Because I take that too seriously. I take God's assignment too seriously to mess around and not teach you something that God wants you to have. And I don't need to give you my opinion about the Holy Spirit. I want to see what God says about the Holy Spirit. Did I explain it in a manner that was encouraging, uplifting, and, and intentional? Believing that the person would be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
See, Paul asked the disciples that he just met about their faith and their belief. Now, true enough, some people might have been offended if someone walked up to you and said, you know, hey, have you, do you have the Holy Spirit since you believe? Because immature folks, those people that haven't put away childish things, get offensive and argumentative when you ask them to do certain things. For example, you ask them to give. Oh, I got some bills to pay. Argumentative, defensive. Well, you know, if, if you give, it's going to be given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together, and running over. Well, I don't know about all that now. Because I tried giving once before, and it didn't work for me. That's immature thinking. That's immature thinking. That prayer thing don't work. I prayed. I asked God to do something, and it got worse instead of better. That's immature thinking. That's immature thinking. And so you got to put that stuff away. You got to put that away because the Holy Spirit is taking you to a higher level. He's going to show you that your prayer life will work. You just need to be taught. He's going to tell you that your giving is going to work. You just need to be what? Taught. You just need to be taught. These disciples' life is about to change for the better. They just need to be what? Taught. Now, let's go further. 19.30, and he said to them, into what men were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. Now, we know that John was the son of Jacchaeus and Elizabeth. John was the forerunner of Christ. But Paul asked the question to get them to tell him more about their faith. And see, the Lord is teaching me about tone, body language, facial expression, and so forth. And how can I say something this impactful and not offend them to help them to get to a better place. Paul was asking about their baptism. And see, let's go to 1 Peter at 3 and 21. Let's show you a little bit about baptism. And while you turn to 1 Peter 3 and 21, let me say this to you. When you get baptized, you're going into the belief of that baptism. The baptism is something that you need to understand from a scriptural standpoint. What does it mean to me? And 1 Peter 3 and 21 reads as follows. There is also an antitype, antitype, which now saves us. Baptism, not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So again, there is an antitype, which now saves or delivers or protects and prospers us. Baptism, not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience, a moral conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the more I allow his spirit to deal with my conscience, then the better off I'm going to be. See, baptism is symbolic of a cleansing process, dying out to the old nature and rising in newness of life. It is the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ at work in us as well as through us. His power, that same power that got Jesus up from the grave will get you up as well. And see, baptism allows us to experience what is symbolic or antitype or the dying out of the old man and rising of the new man. Let's go to Acts 2 and 38. Let's see what Paul and how Paul baptized when he was on the earth. 
We find one scripture in Acts 2 and 38. This is the one that the Lord gave Peter on the day of Pentecost. Then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you, sh sh and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So he says, repent, change your mind about sin. Change your mind about practicing sin. And you will spend your whole life repenting. You'll spend your whole life. Because you're going to find out some things that you're doing are wrong. You say, okay, I'm sorry, God. I, I shouldn't be doing that. I repent. I repent. And then he says this. Be baptized. They want to be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission, the removal, and the release of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Remission is a good word. The removal and release of sins. Get that sin off of me. <laughs> I don't want it anymore. I don't want to be accounted for it. I need it off of me. So I recommend that we all have this baptism experience. If we never have experienced it before, lack the understanding when we're experiencing, need a fresh start and fresh cleansing only baptism in Jesus' name can bring. So let's go back to Acts 19 verse 3. And he said to them, into what then were you baptized? So they, he said, said, into John's baptism. Verse 4. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who could come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. The baptism of repentance says this. It's a change of mind. You've turned from practicing sin. You feel or express regret or remorse about wrongdoing or violating God's law. See, Paul was giving them insight into the baptism they received. And to me, Paul has established a trusting relationship with the disciples in a short amount of time to the point he was about to challenge them on their belief. See, John baptized with repentance uh, or that people should have a change of mind concerning sin. And that's good. Nothing, nothing, let me say this to you. Nothing was wrong with where they were at. I just believe God wanted them to go up higher. This is the thing you got to understand. You are at a place, but God wants you to come up what? Higher. He wants you to come up higher. These disciples, they were studying scripture. They were following God. They were being free from the penalties and the dominion of sin. But God wanted them to come up higher. And so one thing I want us to understand, God wants us to come up what? Higher. You're at one level of spirituality in your belief in Jesus, in your faith walk with God. But God says, come up what? Higher. Come up higher. Come up higher. Just do things a little bit better. And you work on that on a day-by-day -day basis. See, John baptized with the bap baptism of repentance. That people should have a change of mind concerning sin. But this did nothing for taking away the sin or the forgiveness of sin one has already committed. It also did not help an individual not to sin in the future. Because just because you repent don't mean you got power not to do it again. You need power not to do it again. Thank y'all, Lord, help me not to do it again. How many have been in a situation you say, Lord, I don't want to do that again? Now, put your hand down. I don't want nobody to see I don't want nobody to see that. I'm just going to be me right here. But how many did it again? Don't, don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. I raised mine, okay? I raised mine. 
Because don't nobody need to know that you did it again. Don't nobody need to know you did it again. So I need power, right? I need power to help me not to do it again. See, this is what they were, part of what they were missing in this baptism. Because as the baptism repentance, you just ask God to forgive you. But what about the power not to do it again? What about the power to love your neighbor? What about the power to witness? What about the power to give? What about the power to love? What about the power or the, to live this Christian journey? Where is it at? And so Peter, Peter, excuse me, Paul went on love the father. He talked to them. He talked to them. And evidently, whatever he said to them, when they heard this, when they heard it, faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach and let it be sent? Notice their avenue to better was through a preacher. The avenue to better was through a preacher. So if, I, if you're on a Sunday morning and you come in here in the word of God, you should leave here what? Better. You should leave here better. You should expect better. You should expect better. You said, well, let me put it to you like this. Don't put all the pressure on me to make you better. Put the pressure on God so you become better. See the difference? Yeah, I'm going to give you a word, but this, I'm giving it to you. You got to go out and take it and apply it in your everyday life. Now, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, in the authority and the power of Jesus. Isn't it powerful? They were teachable. And they remained teachable. They go right talking about, well, I've already baptized in John baptism. I'm not gonna go there. You know where I'm going on. I'm not gonna go there. But that's what they did. They got baptized again. And some people look at you like, you getting baptized again? Yeah. Show them. Because I, I want the power. I want the anointing. I want to live right. I want to go to heaven one day. And I need the power in order to get there. I need the Holy Spirit. You see the necessity of the Holy Spirit in this text? And how God's bringing it down to us line upon line. Precept upon precept. And not only that, I'm going to, not only that, not only that. In verse 6, and when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Think about this. In Acts 19 and 1, they had not even heard about the Holy Spirit. But by the time you get to verse 6, they've been baptized in the name of Jesus. They have received the Holy Spirit. They prophesied. And they are speaking with other tongues. One church service has changed their life for the better. Oh, you see the necessity of the Holy Spirit in this text. But not only for these disciples, what about us? What about us? God says if you, you don't have it, you can have it today. Harden not your heart. You can have the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Not only that, when you be speaking in the tongues, you're going to prophesy, you're going to speak forth by divine inspiration. Because the Holy Spirit is a necessity in this hour we're living in. You need the Holy Spirit to work with other people. Thank y'all for two and a half. Amen. I'm, 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 I'm going to pray for the rest of y'all. You need the Holy Spirit just to deal with your own family. Well, I live by myself. You need the Holy Spirit to deal with yourself. Let me say this to you. I'm not going to tell your secret. I'm not going to tell your secret. It'll be between me and you. But you know you something else to live with. You something else. So we need the Holy Spirit to help us. We need the Holy Spirit to guide us. We need the Holy Spirit to what? Direct us. We need the Holy Spirit to empower us. We need the Holy Spirit to equip us. We need the Holy Spirit to deliver us. We need the Holy Spirit. Man, we need the Holy Spirit. Some of us will be in jail right now. Not me, Pastor Doc, or your neighbor. We need the Holy Spirit. Therefore, faith walkers, they see and understand the necessity of the Holy Spirit. Stand even. Let's give Jesus a hand of praise for the word this morning. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's message. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your prayer request and testimonies to our website at occvr.org. That's occvr.org. We would like to invite you to partner with us as we share the gospel all around the world. Just go to our website at occvr.org. Click on the Give button to give online. Or you can utilize text to give. Text give to the number 770-692-2225. That's 770-692-2225. Join us on our YouTube channel, subscribe to our podcast, and connect with us on social media. We also invite you to join us in a live service. We're located at 3097 South Van Wert Road in Villarica, Georgia. Visit our website for more details at occvr.org. Until next time, remember, without a vision, the people perish. See you next time for more Heaven Bound with Pastor Richard D. Dobbs of Overcomers Christian Center in Villarica, Georgia.